Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you can find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, sumatisparks.com. That's S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks as in Sparks are flying. And when you request the quiz, you will be automatically added to my mailing list and be the first to learn about my virtual events and receive occasional helpful tidbits of advice and information on how to add more love, passion, and joy into your life. So today I'm so excited to have as my guest Mason Luke. I met Mason Luke at the Sex Geek Summer Camp, (laughs) which was a lot of fun and also very educational for sex educators. And Mason has been selling sex toys for over 15 years. He started with home parties like Tupperware, but with sex toys. And he eventually left that business to start his own with a focus on LGBTQ plus inclusivity. He now offers product consultation and sales, and he does product testing for various brands and reviews products on YouTube. He also provides education around materials and safety. And behind the scenes, he now works with many manufacturers to create more inclusive products and marketing materials. So Mason's goal is for people who are looking to buy products to find items that match their gender and sexuality while making them feel confident and affirmed that they have the right product. So welcome to the show, Mason. Well, thank you for having me today, Sumiti. I really love being here and being able to uh, continue to share some knowledge with some of your listeners. Awesome. So glad to have you. Um, So I'd really like to hear, like, how does somebody become a sex toy salesperson? (laughs) How did did you get your start? (laughs) So as you stated, um, I started out doing the home party industry. So very similar to how, you know, people sign up for like Tupperware sales and go into people's homes and like show everything off. You know, I did the same thing, but I was, you know, slinging dildos instead of Tupperware. Uh, You know, I let people, you know, touch and feel them. I let them get an idea of something before they buy it. And that, that's something that has stuck with me for the last 15 years is, I want people to understand products before they buy them. You know, I want them to touch them, feel them, smell them even. Because uh, sometimes toys have some very foul odors, depending on what you're, you know, buying and what material it's made out of. And to this day, I still am a huge proponent of understand something before you buy it and make sure that it's safe. Um, so I do a lot of product reviews now, um, you know, so that people can still well, get that same. Let me just same... ask you a question first before you, before yeah. you go continue on. So did people feel more comfortable going into like a home than like showing up at a adult store? Is that why that, that kind of started like home parties? And, and then who were the people that you were first presenting the toys to? What, what kind of people were there? Sure. Yeah, that's actually a really good question. You know, I'm so inundated with it that I forget that, you know, not everybody understands this. Um, so, yeah, when you did a well, – well, when I used to do home parties, you know, back before the days of COVID and when we could go into people's houses a lot more safely, um, a lot of the clientele tended to be, I'll say, middle-aged women who wanted to spice up their sex life. Um, and a lot of it even started with, I'll say, bachelorette parties, you know, something fun to do, 
um, you know, before somebody got married. It was a great way to, you know, host a party, get your girlfriends all together, you know, see some sex toys because that was fun. Um, and then, you know, one of the incentives was that if you were the one hosting the party, you got a whole bunch of goodies. So if you were the person yeah. getting married, all of a sudden, you know, you, now you have all these new things to enjoy with, you know, your future spouse. So that was mm-hmm. definitely the clientele that was, I would say, originally um, intended to do the parties with. But as it continued, we saw a big shift in that, too. It wasn't just bachelorette parties. It was, you know, people that were really sex positive and wanted to understand things better. Uh, it was women who wanted to share the gift of, you know, understanding sex toys and the enjoyment of them. You know, I don't know if you like to talk about sex toys with your friends, but I sure do. You know, and for me, it would be a great opportunity to be like, hey, you know, you want to check out all these new toys? Well, come over and you can, you know, see and feel them all. You know, it became very similar to that, even in, you know, just your typical clientele and, you know, like at any typical home party, you know, it was just a great way to share things that you enjoy with somebody else and have the knowledge base with it. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. It's really interesting. Okay, so go ahead. So now you're reviewing products? Yeah, so because I'm not going to people's homes anymore, um, you know, I still definitely would uh, when things kind of open back up and it's a lot safer. But in the meantime, um, I started doing a lot of product reviews on YouTube. So I will open products, I will test products, and then I'll review products. Uh, and I give you all the good and the bad that comes with, you know, any type of product so that people get a really good sense of what it is, even if they can't physically touch it or feel it mm-hmm. or, you know, use it. And for how, do you, how, do you, how do you test a product on YouTube without it being too X-rated? <laughs> so I don't physically test the product on YouTube. So I will usually open up a box, like do an unboxing video, I call them. So, you know, I'll get a product in the mail, I'll open it online, show them, you know, what does it look like when you get it in the mail? You know, is it discreet packaging? You know, what does the, you know, all the information on the box say? What does it look like when you, you know, open it up? You know, is there really good instructions that tell you how to use the product? Um, You know, I go over kind of some of the basic stuff that, you know, people would get as they open up their own product, you know, sort of that shock and awe when you're, you know, a brand new toy. Uh, so I get to share that with them. And then what I ask them to do is after I've opened the box, put in the comment section of, you know, the video, what questions do you have for when I try this? You know, do you want me to try it in certain ways? Do you want me to tell you if it's, you know, uh, too loud, too soft, too, you know, all these different things that we think of, of, you know, what a toy is and, and maybe good or bad in a product. So I ask for their opinions. I ask for their questions. I try it out personally, experiment with, you know, it in a million different ways so that I can answer all of their questions. Um, and then I'll bring it back, you know, to a video and say, here's how I tried it. And here's all of your answers. And, you know, go over what my, you know, personal opinions of it are. Take one for the team, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, I always joke with people, you know, it's really fun to get paid to test sex toys. You know, I get paid to masturbate. Why not? That's so awesome. What a great job. Cool. Um, And so at some point you decided to focus more on the LGBTQ community and, and have the toys be more inclusive in that way. And so tell me about that journey. Sure. So um, as a transgender person, when I first started in the sex toy sales, I was identifying as a female. 
because I had not yet mm-hmm. transitioned at that time. So I was originally a female person selling to most, mostly female people. As I transitioned, I noticed that there was a huge change in what I was noticing as far as products, what I was noticing in the, the you know, packaging, the marketing materials. And it was very, it was very difficult for me uh, to put mm-hmm. it like into words. And I noticed that everything that I was seeing was marketed to some, you know, a, a woman and a man. Like it was always mm-hmm. a, a heterosexual couple and it was never somebody who's transitioned, you know, it, and everything always said, you know, uh, man and woman, and it always implied penis and vagina. There was never any mm-hmm. kind of room for growth when I, you know, was doing this, mm-hmm. you know, 15 years ago originally. Um, mm-hmm. So because it was so upsetting, I had done a lot of things that I, you know, when I was doing my reviews or I was contacting companies, I was asking for more inclusivity. Uh, specifically, you know, like, can you change up your packaging a little? Like, this is really inappropriate. Um, or mm-hmm. saying, like, you know, do you realize lesbians can use these products? Or it would mm-hmm. be like a butt plug. And I'm like, you know, the number one demographic for, you know, using butt plugs is gay men, right? Like, and yet you keep putting females on your packaging. Like, it didn't make right. sense. And and then you, we started to see a big shift probably in the last five to ten years to a lot more inclusive packaging where you're seeing that there's actually less females on packaging in general. Um, and if you mm-hmm. are, you're not seeing probably like a full body of them anymore. You're seeing maybe just like their hand or maybe just like, a, a single like part of their body instead of like the whole body. Mm-hmm. So we've definitely mm-hmm. seen a huge change, thankfully. Um, and I thankfully have also seen um, a lot less gendered packaging. So if you mm-hmm. have ever bought a toy in the last 15 years, you'll know pink and purple was like the two colors, like everything, every dildo was pink or purple. Um, <laughs> now we're seeing so many much, so much more variety in color. Um, you know, and very, very few things coming out in actually pink and purple. I just did uh, two product seminars in the last couple of weeks, and it was like, you know, out of uh, 500 new toys coming out, like only a handful were pink and purple, which is awesome. You know, mm-hmm. so we're seeing a very, very large shift in what was very stereotypical demographics and marketing and products to very much variety. So, you know, I think that being a person in the LGBT community, a person who transitioned and a person who, you know, went from, you know, marketing, uh, you know, a female to marketing to female to being a transgender male and marketing to all genders, all sexualities gives me an opportunity to be able to test different products or test products differently and be able to sell them differently. You know, I'm not having to say, you know, this product was intended for, you know, a man and a woman but it might work for you. I can say, you know, confidently, you know, yes, this product has been tested and it works for two vulva owners or yes, it works for two penis owners, like whatever the case is, or it works for a transgender man. So Mm -hmm. I I love that, you know, with my testing and with, you know, working with all of these different manufacturers now that products aren't segregating people or making them feel like they, they can't be confident in using it because it doesn't match their gender or sexuality. Mhm. Yeah, so you lived as a woman and now you're living as a man, so you have really like the perspective of, of living as two genders and then also as a trans person there's that unique perspective. So you have you have like a real full rainbow of perspectives to understand how different people feel, I can imagine. Correct. Yeah. 
and I think that's something that is unique about me when it comes to, you know, being able to do product consultations too, is, you know, I'm not a man talking about, you know, a toy for, you know, a vulva. I'm a man who has a vulva talking about what it is like to use, you know, this product on a vulva, you know, whether it's my mm-hmm. own, whether it's with a partner's, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. even like if I'm using any type of penis toy, I can say, you know, either I'm using it on my own genitals or I'm using it on, you know, another penis's genitals. You know, I can use mm-hmm. a variety mm-hmm. of different aspects of my life as well as, you know, different people that I have sex with to be able to test and review things and be able to give information based on genitals, not just perceived gender. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I know you haven't lived as a cisgender man, but you've worked with a lot of hetero women. So um, I'm going to just play like I haven't had 20 years of experience and, you know, life experience in the sex positive world. I'm going to pretend like it's 20 years ago (laughs) and say that like so many men that I dated back then were insecure if I had a sex toy. So do you you confront that? Do women, straight women sometimes feel afraid to share their sex toys with their cisgender straight men there I mean I, I know we're not here to like worry about cisgender men's egos but <laughs> but it just might be something it's that thing, women though. run it's into <laughs> so I, I think that that used to happen a lot more about 10 years ago where cisgender men seemed to be very um, insecure in what it meant for their partner to have a sex toy You know, for some reason, they equated a sex toy with inadequacy of their own. Mm -hmm. When the reality was they just wanted a little bit more fun or to spice things up either with them or or without them. You know, it didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think today we're seeing a large shift in definitely partners being more open. And I will say even more excited about sex toys. You know, when I first started going to parties, it was very much like, you know, I don't know if my husband will be, you know, comfortable with me bringing, you know, a nine-inch dildo it's bigger than his penis home. And, you know, now it's sort of like the opposite almost. Like I see, you know, you know, uh, a couple who's like, you know, the guy in the relationships going, yeah, you want that one? Get that one. I really, you know, I want to see you use it. I want to use it All on right. you. You know, it's so different. Like sometimes the the personalities that I see come out and, but definitely a large shift to very, being very sex positive to being very toy positive today. Great. I'm so glad to hear it shifting like that. Yeah. That's awesome. And so I can also imagine that if I just saw a post on a Facebook group um, that it was like a polyamory related Facebook group. And mm-hmm. the woman was saying that her husband has some kind of um, physical ailment um, where he's not able to have sex anymore. So I'm sure she's talking about, you know, hetero penis and vagina sex. Um, right. So people are saying, like, why don't you play with toys? You know, so, like, a lot of times it doesn't even occur to people. And, you know, and there, I think there's also that a way that people hide behind their medical ailments because they, they don't want to be intimate with the person anymore. Um but anyway, can you just talk about how toys can really help if there's some physical ailment or some other kind of situation in the relationship so it can help the couple to maintain their intimate connection? 
Absolutely. So one of the things that I also do is work in the healthcare industry, aside from just uh, working with sex toys and selling them. Uh, so I definitely have seen a wide range of physical disabilities, as well as cognitive disabilities. And physical disabilities tend to be where I see more use for sex toys. So people that maybe have cerebral palsy or have some type of um, you know, issue where they can't maybe use all of their body parts as mm-hmm. an able-bodied person. Uh, so maybe their hands right. aren't working the same way or they, you know, maybe they can't even stand. There are so, so, so many different varieties of toys on the market to be able to help with that. Um, and this is where the product consultation really comes in handy is, you know, if I can match someone up with, you know, whatever that physical ailment is, with a product that's going to help them, you know, either avoid the issue completely where, you know, okay, we're not even going to use that body part, we'll use a different one, um, or we can find out maybe an adaptation for that body part. Uh, so giving, I'll give right. you like an example. Um, so there are toys on the market that if, let's say, uh, we'll use the example you gave earlier, maybe somebody has maybe an erectile dysfunction, maybe they can no longer um, get their penis to an erect state. So they're always in a flat even when they're they're aroused there are all kinds of different now hollowed out strap-ons so a penis owner can put their penis even while flaccid into a strap-on and they can still penetrate their partner even if they're not hard Mm. and you're still simulating the same type of sex that you probably were in the past and you're still getting that same eroticism and it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. that your penis isn't hard you're still performing a penetrative sex with your partner, even while being flaccid. So you still maintain mm-hmm. a lot of that same exact connection that you wanted to without issues. You know, you're just using a physical device to, you know, help you along the way. But maybe let's say somebody doesn't have the ability to stand anymore. So they cannot stand uh, for whatever reason. I mean, you can still use the, the, the hollowed out strap-on as well, but they also make strap-ons that you don't have to, Um, use in a typical harness like that would go on top of your genitals you can use it Mm -hmm. you know like as a leg strap on or you know a chin strap on or a hand strap on like there are so many other ways that you can use different devices that are on the market that probably most people don't even know about um, to be able to perform any type of sexual activity right Awesome. Well, you know, speaking of physical adaptation, I was looking at your website and I saw the prosthetics and I saw that there was mm-hmm. like a flaccid, a flaccid um, dildo, you know, flaccid penis prosthetic. Um, mm-hmm. So is this for trans people to use or what, what do you, who uses mm-hmm. those? So, yeah, I, I also have a specialty with prosthetics. So prosthetics are basically, Devices very similar to a medical field where, you know, if for some reason maybe your limb is not there or it's not functioning, you know, as you wish it to, you can use a prosthetic. So, you know, somebody hurts their leg, maybe they had an amputation, you know, use a prosthetic leg. So for trans people, if they do not have a penis, they may use a prosthetic penis as a substitute. The main reason is it helps what's called dysphoria. So the idea that your body is not connected to your genitals, it helps with Mm. kind of making those match. So by wearing a prosthetic penis that is probably flaccid, uh, you're most likely going to feel more at home in your own body is what I, is the, the term I tend to hear the most. You know, I feel more okay. secure in my body when I'm wearing my 
either flaccid penis or we call them packers, you know, something that you're going to wear on a daily basis that's going to make you feel more secure. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there are also the erect models. A lot of people like to wear those ones, you know, when they are going to be having sex because they look a lot more realistic than a typical dildo. And it kind of gets them more into the mindset of this is, this is more similar to what my anatomy would look like as a male. So an erect prosthetic would be used differently than an actual dildo? Like they would not use that for sex or, or they would also use that? They would use it instead of. So if I were, so I am, I'm a trans person, right? I could use a dildo to penetrate a partner. I could. It's a much cheaper option. It's much more affordable, you know, somewhere around like, you know, maybe a $50 price point, but it's not very realistic. So that to me, that mm-hmm. for me may not feel as comfortable. You know, I may not connect to that dildo as if it were my own, you know, that's not my own anatomy. It's not something that's affirming, you know, I may, mm-hmm. there's a lot of trans people that don't like using dildos at all because it doesn't feel affirming for them and it feels very disconnected. It. So it puts them out of the mood for sex. Whereas when you have something that looks very realistic, maybe it matches your skin tone, uh, maybe it matches what you believe that, you know, if you were born male, what your anatomy would look like, Uh it gets them more in the mood sexually to be able to perform. Thank you. That was very educational for me. I appreciate that. I hope our listeners also learned something from that. That was great. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then, you said that you also work with mental disabilities. How do sex toys relate to mental disabilities? So uh, I would say it's less so on that part. Um, as part of the work that I've done in the past is, you know, uh, I don't personally do it. I know others that do. They do assessments for people to make sure that they fully understand what sex is, what consent is. Um, You know, do they have the ability to negotiate sex with, you know, a partner and understand what that means? So very similar to how you and I may do something with a partner that we want to have sex with. You know, we do that negotiation ahead of time where it's like, this is what I'm interested in, this is what I'm not interested in. Um, It's sort of like a double check when somebody has a cognitive disability to make sure that they're not taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Got it. So a little bit less for sex and a little bit more for sex. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm really glad that you offer that. Love that you're that you exist and that that your um, <laughs> services are so inclusive. <laughs> um, so I, I alluded to this earlier, but I realized that it needed to be a separate topic. So I have found that sometimes um, one person will say that they have, you know, an illness, a disease, or you know, some kind of ailment that keeps them from having sex. And that may be true, but then they also kind of, maybe they're just not feeling um, their sex drive as much or, or there's other, some other problem in the relationship where they no longer want to connect with their partner intimately. Yeah. And so do you have people that come to you for sex toys, but then their partner resists it because, their their illness is kind of more like a smoke screen for some deeper issues going on. I generally don't see that just because I do a lot more on the product consultation than like the sex intimacy mm-hmm. and relationship coaching. Um, so that would right. be something that I would probably refer to, you know, a different type of 
coach for, you know, sex relationship intimacy coaches, as opposed to me who does a lot more on the product side, you know, I can help you find the right boy that might help you as a couple, but I can't help your relationship. Mm -hmm. Like that's not, that's not what I specialize in. Yeah, it seems I, and like I, by the know, time the they come to you, say, they've already. But I'm sorry, go ahead. I would just say the the thing that I would do is I just encourage people to talk not just to their partner but to their doctors. You know, if you are on a lot of different medications, and I, if there's a lot of people that are on antidepressants today, and that's probably like one mm-hmm. of the number one causes for a lack of sex sex drive. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand why people's sex drive might be decreased. And I think that mm-hmm. that's a valid reason that people may not feel inclined to have sex, but talk about it with your doctor, mm-hmm. talk about it with your partner, be honest, you know, tell your partner, you know, I'm either not in the mood because, you know, I got a lot of other things on my mind right now and I just don't feel it, but don't use that as your sole excuse when you're not in the mood. Cause I think that that disconnects the relationship more. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think there's a way that the person who is having erectile dysfunction or the woman who might be postmenopausal and is having problems with her vagina or vulva um, can still offer something to their partner so that they can still have that intimacy. And it may not look like traditional sex, you know, it, it may look, but really the underlying purpose here is for connection, intimacy, um, deepening love and so however you need to figure out how to do that is fine. It doesn't have to look a certain way, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I would suggest things, you know, even as a couple, you know, if that were to come to me, if maybe they're having just issues with, especially menopause. I think menopause is the one that comes up a lot, you know, the vagina changes over time. And, you know, we all know that, you know, all of a sudden you get a lot of vaginal dryness as soon as you go through menopause and maybe people don't want to perform Mm -hmm. penetrative sex at that point, you know, maybe opt for oral, maybe opt for, you know, mutual masturbation or, you know, any type of other, you know, sexual outlet that doesn't involve penetration then. Mm -hmm. And while I'm thinking of it, I have a tip for women in that situation. The the, uh, internal condom, which used to be called the female condom is great. Even if you are monogamous and you have the same partner for years and years, that internal condom will keep the walls of your vagina from burning during penetrative sex. So there you have it. (laughs) There you go. There's also special lubricants now on the market that are uh, made for people that are postmenopausal as well. Oh, that's good to know. Mm -hmm. Do you sell those on your site? I do. There is the Fliquid Satin and the Joe Agape. Those are both of them that are, like, most recommended when it comes to people, we call it with atrophy. So atrophy is the vaginal dryness, and that will help Mm -hmm. replenish the the secretions of the vagina in the most, like, pH balance way uh, that is most, most natural. Oh, that's excellent. That's great to know. Cool. Um, so if you're just joining us, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. And we're speaking with Mason Luke, who provides adult products with a specialty for the LGBTQ plus community. And if you have any questions for Mason, you can call in um, for the next 15, 20 minutes. 
And the call-in number is 657-383-1132. And don't worry about interrupting us. You'll automatically go on hold and we'll take you off hold and take your question at the right time. So again, that number is 657-383-1132. So let's talk a little bit about the intersection of sex toy products and um, non-monogamy. Um, what, how can people that are non-monogamous or have multiple partners benefit from having adult toys? So one of my favorite lines is, some people share dicks, others share dildos. It doesn't matter which, as long as you know the right way to use them. <laughs> so, so what is that the right way to use them? <laughs> so, so basically, as long as you're using the right materials that can be used between partners, you're cleaning them appropriately, you're good to go. Um, you know, I, I often talk about, you know, different polyamorous couples that, you know, they have their toy bag, we'll call it. And they bring their toys from, you know, partner to partner and from relationship to relationship because it's their favorite items, you know. There's no reason that you really need to have, you know, separate items for every single partner unless maybe that's your thing that you don't want to, um, you know, share toys with other partners. Every person, every, you know, relationship has their own set of rules. Uh, But when it comes to safety, as long as you are using high-quality sex toys that can be sterilized and clean well, you don't have to worry about, you know, the transmission of fluids. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, that reminds me of a um, kink partner I had who was topping me. And <laughs> I went over to his house and he said, uh, go ahead and take this bag and clean all the toys that you want me to play with. <laughs> he goes, I'll serenade you on the guitar while you're doing that. <laughs> I thought that was a really great um little game that he he had me play. It's so cute. <laughs> hey, at least it was very open and, you know, here's your choice. Exactly. Um, so what else can non-monogamous people do with toys? Same thing that any relationship can do. You can use them alone. You can use them with a partner. You can use them with multiple partners. Um, I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I would say is different is every partner might have different preferences for pleasure. So you may find, you know, a vulva owner really likes clitoral stimulation. Another partner may like, you know, vaginal penetration. Another one might like anal. So figure out what the dynamic is between, you know, each partner and, you know, try to get toys that match what you like together to be able to have the most fun with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so can I ask you about your practice with toys since you – test them and you have this knowledge about them. Can I ask you about Absolutely. how you play with them in your personal life? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you want to ask specific you, questions? Uh, well, let's just start by saying, you know, have you or do you practice ethical non-monogamy? I do. You do now? Yes. Okay. What does that look like for you? So I am married to a female but I am Mm -hmm. in an open relationship in which I play with others. Uh, The others tend to be gay men who tend Mm -hmm. to have penises. Mm -hmm. Cool. And your partner has other sweeties too? Does not. Your your wife? My wife does not play with others. 
does not. Oh, so you're kind of like polymono. I just say open. You say open. You don't use the term polymono, okay? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's so cool. many different terms out there, and I think every poly person describes their terms differently, and it means something different to them, which is completely fine with me. Like, you know, use whatever one describes you best. Uh, but for me, I say mm-hmm. open relationship. I'm married. I have a female wife, and I play with others who tend to be male. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. We were. I was having a discussion in my Facebook group recently about the different terms and titles, and I remember feeling really great when I was talking to this man at a polyamory event, and he said, he pointed to a woman, and he said, um, we've been living together for two years. And I love how instead of giving it a label like that's my nesting partner or that's my, you know, my polyamorous partner or wife or whatever, he just said what the fact was. The fact was that they've been living together two years. So, you know, I could make up my own labels from that or like make my own conclusions from that. So, um, yeah, yeah, sometimes it helps just to hear what the situation is. (laughs) I'm with you on that. You know, I've been with my wife for 10 years total. But we haven't been married all 10 years. But, you know, 10 years is just a nice, round, easy number to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. Cool. Um, and so when you uh, – and then before COVID, did you go to parties and um, group events? Or do you pretty much just see other people one-on-one? I have done parties or, you know, uh, group events. But I would say I tend to prefer – more one-on-one or one-on-two uh, re- uh, actions. Mm-hmm. And so are you one of these people that brings like a bag of toys with you when you go from <laughs> lover to lover? <laughs> I won't deny it for sure. Um, I definitely <laughs> have the, the bag of tricks that can come with me. Or if I invite somebody to my house, then, you know, we don't have to worry about a bag. There's a whole walk-in closet. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel any pressure that like you have to you know do amazing things with toys or is it just really natural for you no it tends to be pretty natural if anything um i might be the one giving a little bit of pressure because you know especially if it's testing time i'll be like hey so i got this new toy and can i use it on you that's I, I, great uh, that's awesome even even during COVID, i've actually been doing some toy testing uh, both for myself and uh-huh. with at least one partner. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, there was one point where I was like, so I got this really big penis toy in. Uh, you mind if you come over this weekend so I can borrow your penis so that I can, you know, write a review <laughs> on this? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Um, so what else can you tell us about the experience of being a non-monogamous person? Um what what have you learned about navigating that with your wife who doesn't see other people? Uh, honesty is the best thing that you could do in any situation when it comes to being an ethical non-monogamy person, not a non-monogamous person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, non-monogamous. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I became interested in playing with other people, it was probably about halfway into our 10-year relationship. I started having that conversation of, hey, you know what, I'd really like to play with other people. And it mm-hmm. became a very long discussion for several months of, you know, explaining why I was interested in it and how it would benefit 
you know, me and our relationship, mm-hmm. but making sure that I was assuring her that this had nothing to do with our sex life. It had nothing to do with, you know, the fact that I, I you know, you know, it had nothing to do with our love, you know, like I absolutely mm-hmm. love her. You know, there was no reason for me to want to leave her. Like there was a lot of affirmation needed to affirm that mm-hmm. our relationship was solid. I just wanted to play with more people. I wanted to test more products. Mm-hmm. I wanted to test more body parts. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a very long discussion for her to understand what that meant and how it would, you know, and would it change our relationship? And, you know, I think any person that's interested in opening up their relationship, be prepared for very long conversations, um, be prepared for very detailed conversations. And I would say the other thing that we did was we created our list of no's or our requirements. Uh, you know, what is it is allowed? What's not allowed? Uh, what's required to maintain, you know, either relationship? And I think being very concrete in what that list was and making sure that I tell every potential partner, you know, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. This is what you have to do. Um, and keeping it very clear uh, has been what has made our relationship so successful through opening our relationship. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Um, and so I can imagine that you that the reassurance that you gave in the beginning about why you wanted to be open would be an, on, an ongoing practice where you, you might have needed to continue to give that reassurance after you saw one of your other sweeties and, and then did, did that get easier over time? Yeah, I think it definitely got easier over time. You know, I went from having to plan far enough in advance, like, so I'd like to play with somebody. There's an opportunity in like two weeks, you know, uh, are you okay with that? to, hey, so-and-so can come over in about an hour. Are you okay with that? You know, like the (laughs) the difference of like the assurance um, has changed to there's a lot more trust there right now that, you know, I don't have to worry about like a spur of the moment opportunity and, you know, what if my partner isn't on board with it? You know, I think that there's Mm -hmm. a lot more trust that has been built over time of, you know, just being open as things, you know, come up you know, making sure I'm following the, you know, our agreed-upon rules. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so do you just don't want to date women, or is that one of your agreements with your wife? That's one of the agreements is that, you know, if I want to do any type of, you know, vulva testing products, is, you know, she's my first choice. Um, I at least have mm-hmm. to give her the option. So for now, it's, I have my own and I have hers, so I don't really need more at the moment. Um, but I do like to play with penises, and I need more, you know, penises in my life to be a little test with. So it works out better that way at the moment. So it sounds like you're mostly dating other people to test your products, additionally, because you want to have these other relationships. It's less for relationships. Um, I don't have any intention of doing long-term relationship, I do a little bit more like friend with benefits. Um, The benefit Ah. is that we both get to have fun. Uh, We both get to have pleasure, but it's not for a romantic relationship. I see. Okay. That's really interesting. Than than a typical poly like relationship, I guess. Yeah. So it's open. It's not necessarily polyamorous. It's more open. Correct. Yep. That's what you said originally, is that you have an open relationship. Cool. 
And so what, so how have you um, managed like the imbalance where she's not seeing anybody else? What, what kind of issues have come up around that? Uh, No issues as of right now. Like if she really wanted to see other people, she could. The biggest difference Mm -hmm. is that I have always had a very, very high sex drive and she's had a very low Mm -hmm. sex drive. So the balance is kind of Mm -hmm. already there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Right on. Well, thank you for sharing all of this with us, being so transparent. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just looking, I was reading your website today and um, learning about your journey of, um, you know, getting into adult toys. And um, you were talking about you, you discovered a company's policy about no men. <laughs> yeah. And you were so surprised about that. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so, uh, and this is still a company that exists today, unfortunately, that has the same policy. Uh, so one of the, du- the direct sales companies uh, that exist out there, I won't name them because I don't want to give them any attention at all, but they have a policy that basically no men can be consultants and no men can be represented in the audience of a party. So you can't have any men in your home for this party if, you know, you want somebody to come show you sex toys. Wow. But they sell men's toys, they sell trans men's toys, and they sell couples' toys. But they can't see them Uh or touch them before they buy them. Huh. Wow. And so do you allow um, people to return products if they've touched them and smelled them and didn't like them? (laughs) (laughs) So in a home party setting, you are only touching, smelling, um, and testing with, like, my demos. So this is, like, the bag of tricks that I take around and, like, so you don't, you're not buying them before you touch them and feel them. We want to make sure that you like them before you buy them. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully we're matching you with the right products and we don't have to return anything. Um, but as far mm-hmm. as returns go, it is only for manufacturers defects uh, that you can return a product generally. Got it. Yeah. So I could see during the pandemic, it will be a little harder for people to, experience them before they buy them but fortunately you have the experience matching people up with the right product so that's great about what you offer yeah so hopefully we get you the right thing the first time through right right exactly cool um well is there anything else you'd like to share i'm about out of questions that's all right so i would just say anybody who is interested in a product consultation um, I do offer them on my website, uh, which is masonluke.com. And if you're interested in maybe just the quick quick guide for, like, what to look for when you're buying a sex toy, maybe you're not ready for a consultation just yet, but maybe you just want, like, my, you know, quick tips, uh, there is also a free guide that you can just download on my website. If you go to masonluke.com and just search uh, in the little search bar that, uh, for a free guide, it's called. It'll pop up as the first thing, and you can just download that for free. And you'll get all of my tips from all my experience of what to look for when you buy your first sex toy. Um, and I will offer for anybody who downloads it in the next, uh, like, day, the first five people will get a free consultation on top of that. So first five oh, to cool. download that free guy will get a free consultation with me. So I'll watch for who's, uh, who's going to download it. 
Okay. Well, you might want to extend that more than a day because um, a lot of people listen to this on recording later. Mm-hmm. So just a thought. <laughs> well, I said the first five that do it. So it doesn't matter if it's today, tomorrow, the first five that first do the download. Yeah, got it. That's perfect. Okay, great. Well, that's very generous of you. Um, and people can learn about you at your website, masonluke.com. Yep, and I'm also on most of the social media, so Facebook, Instagram. I don't do TikTok. That's a lot of work right now. Uh, Twitter, but uh, oh, and YouTube. YouTube's the biggest one. Uh, so you can find me at Mr. Mason Luke on all of them uh, to be able to, you know, learn about products, to see what any type of specials I got going on, if I'm doing any type of, you know, things like this, uh, doing podcasts or interviews. All of that stuff will be found on my social media. Okay, great. So Mr. Mason Luke on YouTube and on all the other social media platforms. But, yeah, I really wanted to direct people to the YouTube because that's where you're doing all the product testing. Cool. Yeah, I will say you do have to log into YouTube in order to see most of the reviews just because YouTube deems most of my stuff as explicit content, and they want to make sure that you're 18 or older. So if you go on there and you see oh. very few reviews, it's because you're not logged in. You have to log into, like, YouTube or Google in order to be able to view the content. Oh, that's good to know. Okay, great. So you don't have to have a paid plan with YouTube. You just have to have a login. Correct. Yeah, you just have to be able to, you know, push the little iFirm on 18 or above. Got it. Okay, cool. Okay, great. All right, Mason. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. It was so interesting learning about all this stuff. And um, I really wish you all the best. Well, thank you for having me, Sumati. I appreciate your time, and uh, I hope that uh, some people get something out of this. Oh, for sure. Definitely. A lot of great information. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Uh-huh. Bye. So, thank you for joining us this week on Leading Edge Love Radio. Next week, I'll have as my guest, Sean Renato, who is a sensual intelligence expert. She's actually writing a book right now on sensual intelligence and it's going to be published soon. So she's going to be talking about that. She also is an erotic um, embodiment educator. She teaches people about sensual and erotic embodiment. She's a, a beautiful movement mentor. So please join us next Tuesday uh, and every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Leading Edge Love Radio. This has been your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. Have a good evening. <laughs>